This podcast is sponsored by Canoe Club. Canoe Club has been one of my favorite retailers for such a long time, so it's a real honor to have them, you know, sponsoring the pod. If you're unfamiliar with Canoe Club, it's a retailer based out of Boulder, Colorado that carries brands such as, you know, Engineer Garments, Visvim, Capital, Nanamika, Levi's, Orslo, you know, Friends of the Pod, Marnie, Solomon, and Popeye Magazine, and so much more. They have such an incredible assortment, you know, ranging from under-the-radar emerging brands to beloved heritage brands. I had the founder of Canoe Club, Timothy Grindle, on the podcast, which I'll have linked in the description if you're interested in learning more about the retailer. I'll also be showcasing some of my favorite pieces on the Fashion Collective Instagram, as well as in the weekly newsletter. very kind to offer a 15% discount code for all the Fashion Collective podcast listeners. Use code FashionCollective15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, it is FashionCollective15 to get 15% off your next order. The link to the site will be linked in the description for you guys to head over and check out the assortment. Hello, I'm Alexander Walker of the Fashion Collective Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then thank you for taking the time to check us out. The Fashion Collective Podcast is a place for creatives to learn, share, collaborate, and support each other. Each week, you'll get in-depth interviews with creators talking about their creative process, inspirations, giving advice, and sharing their opinions on the major topics within the industry. Our mission is to create a space for creatives. If you enjoy the content in this series, please check out our other weekly series, such as the News Roundup and Deep Dive. Also, if you have the time, I would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey everyone, in this episode, I speak with creative director and designer Stefan Park of the brand Esther Akeme. Park shares her experiences of growing up in Brazil, studying at Parsons, launching her brand, finding inspirations while traveling, her love of books, and her tips for aspiring creatives. Really excited about sharing this episode with all of you. So with that being said, let's just jump right into it. Hey, how's it going, Stefan? Great. How are you? I'm good. You know, before we jump into everything, do you want to just share a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do? Yes. So my name is Stefan Park and I am from Sao Paulo in Brazil. And my parents are South Korean, but I spent a lot of time traveling between New York, Paris, and now I'm based in Copenhagen and Paris. And yeah, I founded the brand Esther Me around four, five years ago. And here we are. Amazing. And, you know, I want to get into everything over the course of the episode, starting off with segment one, style ethos. How would you describe your personal style to the audience? Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of my, my personal wardrobe, let's say, uh, I guess that's common with a lot of designers that you tend to focus on your uniform kind of everyday clothing. But in particular for me, because I've been traveling a lot, my wardrobe is built around is the opposite of seasonless. It's actually built for different seasons. Sometimes I have to go from 
you know, São Paulo to Copenhagen, which has completely different uh, opposite seasons. I actually have uh, quite an extensive uh, collection of like swimwear and also outerwear. And that's sort of like how it ended up building my my personal style in the sense that you're just having to move around a lot. And I guess it's it's what feels comfortable, what feels uh, durable and seasonless in that sense that gives you mobility. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. You know, moving the segment too, you know, what have you been obsessed with lately? This could be movies, music, books, TV shows, articles, really anything, brands. Um, I mean, right now, I'm in the beginning of uh, starting uh, research on color for the next collection. So I've been looking into like color palettes, color ranges, and researching images. And sometimes it comes really random from very random uh, places. This, this time I've been reading a book called A Field Guide to Getting Lost by Rebecca Solnit. And she talks about the blue of distance. And it's something very poetic and it's about the blue of longing and it's the, the blue that sits in the horizon, which is an impossible blue, it's a blue that doesn't exist. Um, and it's a blue that you will never be able to reach because it's in the horizon. Basically, once you get there, it's not blue anymore. So that kind of longing for distance, I guess it kind of translates with this whole mood of being, you know, where, where we are right now in the world. Right, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm obsessed with it, but I am thinking a lot about this mood, this, this kind of like maybe escapism in a way, uh, but also this longing of, you know, finding a new reality or looking at a, at the next page, you know, it's, it's a really interesting book because there's different passages about, you know, travel and getting, getting lost. And it's different from losing your keys because it was something like, let's say, not intentional, but it's an intentional way of putting yourself in the unknown. And I think there's, uh, yeah, it's something to, it's something to read and to explore. And Yeah. Are you someone who's constantly having a new book? Like, you know, are you just going through books over these last few months? So everywhere I move, I have all these boxes and all of them have books. It's all, it's all I have, basically. It's my, my inheritance. <laughs> if I, <laughs> Pass away tomorrow. That's all I have. I'm pretty obsessed with them. Very nice. Moving into segment three, you know, rapid fire. You know, I just want to get your quick opinion. We saw quite a few fall winter 21 collections. Any brands like catching your eye lately? With the change of the pandemic, what is interesting to see is not necessarily the collection itself, but how the minds of the designers are working and how are they approaching the, the presentation of the collections and stuff. So I love like the J.W. Anderson way of thinking or Rob Simmons with Prada. I mean, it, but it's mostly it's interesting how what's behind uh, the collection, what's behind the thinking and how they're approaching this new way of connecting with people, this new way of connecting with their own employees and how to create a collection through distance, you know, how to communicate. Uh, so this is this is what's interesting. I don't think it's something particular, like in terms of collection itself. I think that's what I've been paying attention to. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to hear and see how brands are adapting and you know what these designers are thinking about now. You know, moving into the main topic of the podcast, you know, your journey. You know, wanting to start from the very beginning, I kind of want to get into you know what 
initially got you into design, you know, and also how did, you know, traveling and, you know, moving around influence your style and how you create? So what got me into design uh, is something that I don't even remember when I started being interested in design. I've always been interested in design, drawing all the time since I was a kid and stuff. But I was never really allowed to do it because my parents wanted me to pursue a different career, something a little more business oriented, which I did. I, I, I graduated from business management, not spending so much time in the area of arts and design and stuff growing up. But I had this very suppressed thing in me that I had to, you know, come out, like come out with all my energies and all my forces. And kind of when it came out, I was like, I can't let this go anymore. After that, I went to Parsons and I, I was into women's wear. I thought I was into women's wear. I was not really good at it, you know. And, and not that I was not really good at it, but it was very hard. It was a hard it was hard to design. It was, it, you shouldn't feel like that. Um, and I did a competition for coach, uh, handbags company for handbags. And it was completely random. They were going to help with, um, with the tuition. Uh, so I just entered it and I didn't know how to do bags. I didn't know how to design to sew anything. I just did something. And then I won the competition. Hey. That was too easy. How can it be so easy? And I experienced something completely different from what I was experiencing in women's wear with bags. It was an object in relation to the body, but it was not an object worn. So that was much more freeing for me, you know, in terms of design, because a bag can be worn by someone short, tall, you know, any size. And, and I think that gave me so much more freedom. I was too caught up in the fit of it all. And I think I have more of a sculptural approach to, to things, to design. So that's how I ended up in bags and leather boots. And then I did a master's in Denmark, more specialized in leather boots. It was more experimental. Yeah, and then right after I, I had the opportunity to, to open my new company with the support of my family in the beginning. Why not design bags that actually do what they're supposed to be, which is be as accessories, you know? Right, not yeah. Yourself, not speak in front of the woman, which I thought that was what bags were doing at that time. You know, you are wearing a Chanel bag, you're a Chanel girl, Gucci bag, you're a Gucci girl. I'm not saying that that's the case for everyone, but I just thought there was a lack in the market of bags that were in service of the user, in service of the woman, and not speaking in front of her. So bags that were lighter and comfortable, and fit well on your shoulders, and you know, are, are com- are com- comfortable to wear, like uh, like comfortable underwear, you know, instead of like bags that scream attention. I had a hard time, I must say growing really fast because most of my competitors took another strategy. They focused on the signature shape, you know, the it's bag factor. Yeah. And I chose another path. I chose the path of trying to follow function as well as form. And maybe that will be a little more subtle and a bit quieter. And in that sense, it was 
maybe harder to get the attention of uh, influencers and digital media and make all the buzz and the noise, you know? Because when you see someone wearing my bag, I mean, you do notice it, but you don't notice just that. It kind of blends in with your look, you know? That is the purpose of my design, is actually to blend in with you and not to stand out in that sense. Before I was designing bags, I actually didn't like bags. Like, I didn't like to wear bags. I thought it was really uncomfortable and heavy. I guess that was the motivation, because I didn't like bags in general. <laughs> I thought I, I might try to solve that problem. Yeah, and you can see that on the website, as you described, you know, it's, it's leather goods that are focused on purified, refined, and sculptural design. And it's based on the needs of the modern woman, which I think is really a great thing. It's very functional, which I think is something that everyone's looking for now. Going back to what you were saying about, you know, bag and purses, and a lot of times it's like the it bag, you know, that's what people want. You know, you see that with the Lueve and the Chanel and stuff like that. You know, how was it for you ultimately? Because, you know, that's how I came across the brand is, you know, we're seeing more and more, you know, influencers and people in general, you know, gravitating towards your bags. You know, I saw on Brittany Bathgate and I was like, whoa, blown away with, you know, what I saw. So how's it been lately, you know, over the course of like the pandemic and everything? You know, before the pandemic, I think some of the buyers and the retailers thought maybe my brand was to blame or too simple. I heard of many different kinds of criticism over the, over the seasons. And then after the pandemic, even during the pandemic, I saw growth in my retail channels. I saw that my, our key retailers didn't drop us. They actually maintained the budget. And I saw a shift gravitating towards the brand in a, in a kind of natural way. At least I'm not saying that, oh, there was a boom uh, during the pandemic, but stayed quite solidly in its place. And, and it even got a little more attention than usual. So. I am really happy that people like Britney, you know, like they have access to like all these amazing bags and designers and stuff. And then my bag is in the middle and it got there. It got a spot in their wardrobe. And I'm like really happy about that because I guess the mood is shifted a little bit. I don't know. I also, I also had a really interesting post from a, a customer that bar at the Demilune and and she said this has been two things that brought me joy during the pandemic is this bag and this table and I just it's just been a joy to look at them. I, I didn't have the time to I didn't I didn't have the occasion to wear it. But you know it was a very long text about how the bag brought joy to her during the pandemic. And I thought that was uh, so heartwarming, you know. It has to be a great feeling. Yeah, for especially for when you're a designer, you're like, of course, you know, that's that's the function of fashion. Like we want to bring joy, you know, we wanna enhance their lives. It's not life saving, like a, you know, you're not a doctor, but but you are enhancing people's lives and you're bringing joy to people and I think that's why we're doing what we're doing. Right. And with your bags, they're very functional for day-to-day use that you can bring this no matter if you're going to the store or, you know, eventually we all start returning back to work or offices or traveling, you know, going back to the creative process, you know, did, were there any like major inspirations or references that you were using, you know, what was on like your mood board? 
think I spent a lot of time with architects in my life, like ex-boyfriends that were architects. And, you know, uh, and now I'm in Copenhagen where you like, you breathe design as a lifestyle. You don't put it in your mood board. Design is just everywhere. And in your house, in your home, in your, you know, in your friend's home. I barely have a mood board because sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. I just feel like it's all around me in some, in some way and it's also part of me now. So yeah, I think design in general is a lifestyle, furniture, architecture. When I design something, I might be thinking about like what is the practical use and you know, this bag should fit a laptop, but it shouldn't look like you are carrying a laptop. Uh, how can I solve that problem? But then when you let your hands think for you, in that sense, I think it, it just sort of like happens and you think it's because you, you're just absorbing and being informed by, by where you are in the environment and your life experiences. And, and, and one of them is, you know, standing in design, the other is like architecture. Also, I would say the fact that I'm from Brazil. Brazilians are very body conscious, you know, and that body consciousness does inform my work because I am completely concerned about how this feels uh, in relation to your body and how it looks in relation to your body. Some widths of bottoms of bags, sometimes the way they hit your hip makes your hip look wider or narrow, you know, like it, it's also like there's this fitting process that I'm concerned with in terms of body consciousness in that sense so answer the question no you did i mean i think it gives me a you know greater context to understand your designs and i really love this idea of really being body conscious but not in a way that is typically used but just knowing how a design or a garment or you know an accessory complements your body or you know a silhouette i think that's really incredible a lot of designers approach bags as something that is actually worn, you know? Like people design bags like they are these uh, objects that are completely external to your body and doesn't have anything to do with you. It just has to be like, it is something that you wear, so. Exactly. And it's something that you'll be taking with you all the time, so. Yeah. You know, going back to something you were saying, you're saying that a lot of the, you know, stockists, were you know keeping their budget during these last few months and you know the brand is carried at some of the best retailers in the world you know Hudson Bay in Toronto you know Chaos in Tokyo as well as some like really great online retailers you know Essence you know matches fashion you know how was the process of getting the brand into those stores into these stores and are there any tips that you would give to because a lot of people are listening are aspiring creatives or people with brands you know, how do you make that jump to get into, you know, an assembly in New York City or Farfetch? Yeah, I had no idea when I started. I started, I had a collection and then I went to uh, be part of Men and Women Fair in Paris, you know, this, uh, this, this fair that has a lot of new designers. And I mean, you just start wherever you can, basically. Then you hope to get attention from even one buyer, one, you know, one store. Uh, one distributor and and that's what happened in the first season is that we got attention from one Japanese distributor and and no other store wanted to buy us and it was my my launch in the market was through Japan and I think the philosophy matches and the aesthetics matches uh, with, with the Japanese customer I feel like you start wherever you can and 
being part of showrooms, being part of trade shows, uh, whatever it is. I mean, you have to go and throw yourself in the water, basically. There's no other way around it. Your collection through some channels. But I think that at the time I started, instead of launching the brand in Copenhagen, I started in Paris. And in Paris, you do get a lot of attention from the Asian market. You know, you're more exposed to the Asian market, for example, all parts of the world for that matter. And I think that then you are increasing your chances of exposure there with different kinds of buyers. I think throughout the, the seasons, the way I grew the, the portfolio of clients was really to be selective, actually. I, I know that it's counterintuitive in that sense because you want to grow, but I knew where I wanted to position the brand from the very beginning. I knew that it had to be selective and I knew I didn't have any budget and my brand was not focused on press or marketing. You know, as I was explaining to you, I didn't get that like crazy attention from the influencers from the get-go. So I knew that my best shot was to be positioned at the best stores and the stores would give me the necessary sort of like spotlight attention and positioning better than any magazine. When I was picked up with matches, right in the very second season, beginning, they did a little press release and that was really, really helpful, you know, and, and then it started branching out to other stores. And then you keep your message very consistent because I know that there is lots of collections, lots of seasons and things are changing and, you know, you have to keep up with your friends or not. But I thought I'm very new and I'm very unknown. I think that if I do something this season and I do kind of something similar next season, I have to I have to keep on pressing on that same tune a bit for for a bit at least in the beginning so that you you pass your message across to the buyers and and to consumers you know because you're still very underexposed at that point so I don't think there is need for you to change completely you know in the beginning of the season. And then now, of course, that I got a bit more established and my carryover styles are more known, uh, then the buyers start requesting more newness, more exclusivity, more uh, wider range, et cetera, et cetera. And, and here also, I'm very, in a way, strict about it because I don't want to dilute the DNA of the brand into something that I don't feel like is fitting brand in that sense you have to keep a balance uh, of these things i I'm ju i just have a very strict in a way way of protecting the brand's DNA and the brand's message since the very beginning and i do i'm informed on the trends and i know exactly what my competitors are doing because i i have to know where my place is in the market but, right. but you can't give up on the DNA. Like once Hussein Chalayan, who of course you know, you know what he said was right. He said, you know, uh, the successful people in the industry is not the most talented; is the ones that have a strong opinion. You have to keep your opinion. If you have your opinion on something, then you have to really press that button over and over and over again, and in a sense become obsessed with that, so that it can exist. You know. In, in the industry yeah and i can see that in the brand and you know from each piece you know you can see this consistent messaging 
which I really, you know, I think that's what people are falling in love with. You know, you talked about, you know, wanting to be more gender fluid, you know, moving forward. Are there any other things that you're looking to change or maybe to add to the brand moving forward? Do you want to get into creating any other accessories or any other type of leather goods in general or even garments? I really want to explore the the gender fluid proportions because for me that's kind of specific actually. Something that can be worn both by women and men. A woman designing bags for men that has a very stereotypical vision of men. You know, that's how the men's bags look like. Someone that has a very square look at what men should be wearing. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in that segment, in my eyes at least. Yeah. So that's what's on my mind right now. Yeah, I'm very excited. I want to thank you again for agreeing to be on the podcast. This was really amazing. You know, where can the people follow you at? So the brand is called Esther Acme. Uh, we just put an A in front of the name Esther. <laughs> it looks very complicated. So Esther Acme um, on Instagram. Amazing. And everything will be linked in the podcast description for all of you to check out. Would highly recommend it really incredible brand so thank you again this has really been amazing thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this week's guest interview if you enjoy the content in the podcast please leave a review on apple podcast and follow us on social media to stay updated on all new podcast episodes you can follow us on instagram at the fashion collector podcast you can follow my personal account at alex walker ph you can follow us on twitter at tfc underscore pod and with that being said i'll catch you all next week